mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This is Life and Art from FT Weekend. I'm Lila Raptopoulos. Do you know something? I'm in love with you. You are hearing the voice of Samara Joy via her TikTok channel. Samara is 24 years old. She's a three-time Grammy Award winner, most recently for the single Tight. I don't know where my man is. Where can he be? What is he doing? This week, she is kicking off a four-month tour in Canada, Europe, and the west coast of the U.S. And all that is quite a place to be just two years out of college. I recently interviewed Samara for a profile of her for our luxury magazine, HTSI. And we started with the fact that Samara is only the second jazz artist in history to win the coveted Grammy for Best New Artist. Is that right? The second or the third? Yeah, the second. <laughs> yes, the first was Esperanza Spalding against Justin Bieber and Drake. Yeah, so. nice. <laughs> That's okay. Nice. Um, so you're from New York, from the Bronx, uh, born and raised. You come from a very musical family. Can you tell me about your journey of finding jazz mm-hmm. as a singer? Yes, I grew up already kind of listening to genres of music that involved acoustic instruments, mm-hmm. um, like artists like pianist George Duke and like uh, Layla Hathaway um, and Jill Scott. But for the most part, um, I hadn't really listened to jazz growing up and I only encountered it when I was in high school and a teacher of mine Actually, she taught only band students and I was in the vocal class. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, I'm going to grab a couple of vocal students to sing some songs with the band. And I sang two jazz songs and those are the only two that I knew. And I don't, hmm. I don't remember being intrigued enough to go further, honestly. I was right. like, okay, I'm going to do these songs. Nice. Right. But I hadn't really listened um, with enough intent to decide whether or not I wanted it to be a career. I wasn't thinking about that um, until I got to college. I went to uh, SUNY Purchase yeah. and I heard Sarah Vaughn and Abby Lincoln and Betty Carter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I love how unique everybody's voice is. Yeah. You Because know? it's like not everybody has everything, but you can grab all this wonderful inspiration from each singer. And I found that I could just keep adding to myself, you know, yeah. different uh, interpretation skills and range and have ideas. My ears are opening up even more compared to when I was younger. What do you, can you say a little bit more about what you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Sort of as you like kind of folding in those yeah. elements. So I find that before I got to purchase, um, I was still singing like myself, but I had never trained my voice. Mm-hmm. I had listened to music and listened to singers and wanted to copy them and imitate them. Um, but my voice was not developed. Mm-hmm. And um, I find that I didn't have a lot of control over it and or control over the ideas that I wanted to express. Right. I feel like I got that awareness when I got to college. Right. And we should say that you're so... Um, I said that you come from a very musical family, but by that I mean your paternal grandparents. uh, My paternal grandparents were the founders of a a gospel group in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Uh, And your father uh, is a vocalist and a bass player. Um, 
I heard you say that you felt that jazz was like a real home for your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you mean when you say that? I mean, with jazz, I felt like I didn't necessarily have to fit into a box. It definitely taught me, I guess, boundaries and taste and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, when to fully let it out, when to draw it back in right. as far as uh, dynamics and, and you know power when it comes to my voice. But um yeah, I felt like I could sing the way that I was singing, you know, mm. and not have to maybe um, discard my influences in order right. to do it. Yeah, amazing. Um, I uh, I saw you perform here last night and uh, we were all like packed in tight. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, it was all part of the vibe. Mm-hmm. It was good. You were wearing a bright pink dress. You were like very comfortable on stage. Um, telling stories between songs. It felt like we were all kind of on this journey with you, learning about you through each song. I'm glad. Um, It felt very intimate. And uh, at one point in the show, towards the end, you were singing Lush Life. I used to visit all the very gay places. Uh, Which you put out recently as a single, uh, also Grammy nominated. (laughs) Where one relaxes on the axis of the wheel of life to get the feel of life. Um, can you tell me quickly about that song? Yes. So it was written by wonderful pianist and Duke Ellington's right hand, um, Billy Strayhorn, when he was 19 years old. And I find that it is it's such... A rough song, mm. <laughs> you know, especially for somebody who wrote it at 19, talking about um, the fact that the love that you thought you had is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, life is lonely again and only last year. <laughs> Everything seems so short. You know, things are slowly breaking down and falling apart right before your very eyes. And by the end of the song, you realize that that's probably the only true love you'll ever have, you know. Yeah, woof. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. When you went to sing that song, your whole body changed. Like, Mm. it felt like your posture changed, the way you moved your face changed. It really felt like you were being yourself, but also embodying somebody Mm -hmm. um, to create, like, the sound and the feeling that you wanted. I found that very moving. Mm -hmm. And I want to know what you, what were you doing there? Mm -hmm. Can you kind of take me, walk me through that performance? I'm glad that it, uh, um... I don't realize, you know, mm-hmm. when things change like that, but I I know I don't want to smile through it because it's not a happy song. Yeah. Um, and I think the story itself and the way that we arranged it, um, it requires uh, all of you, you know. You mm-hmm. can't uh, back away from it because maybe I don't want to feel like that or even try to imagine what somebody in that position would feel like, but it requires you to be open and to be fully immersed in mm-hmm. the story that you're trying to tell. I feel like that song in particular. So are you, uh, as you like you, when that song is, is next, mm-hmm. do you sort of feel the feeling that you know is, mm-hmm. yeah. I try to imagine, I try to imagine what it would be like to be in that position. Cause I don't know if I've ever felt that kind of heart wrenching, yeah. you know, deep longing of like wanting to give up on love and wanting to live a life of uh, yeah. being alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to imagine 
and maybe method act a little bit and try to imagine what it would be like to feel that way. Yeah. And hopefully that informs my interpretation of it when I sing it. Yeah. I'm Michaela Tendera, host of Behind the Money, a podcast from the Financial Times. Every week, we take you inside the biggest business and investing stories of the moment. From Apple's reliance on China. The more you peel back the onion, the more you realize that it's China all the way down. To turmoil in the banking world. If it goes bankrupt, we'll have chaos in financial markets. It would have been absolute carnage. Follow Behind the Money wherever you listen to podcasts. I wanted to go back to one thing about your songwriting process mm-hmm. um, that you uh, seem to like writing over, Melodies. sort of writing original lyrics over famous compositions. And we were talking a lot about your lyrics over Charles Mingus's reincarnation, of a reincarnation, lovebird. yeah, of a lovebird. Um, you said on stage that took you a year. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about? That creative process for you, maybe we can take um, Reincarnation of a Lovebird. Yes. Yeah. Um, For me, when I'm writing lyrics, I try to imagine first the story that I want to tell. Usually things flow pretty naturally after that. I found, and I find that I like to listen to the melody over and over and over and over and over again. So even when I'm not listening to it, a a word will pop up into my head or a sentence that matches with... um, the melody line that I'm trying to get. Mm-hmm. But I, I find that a lot of times it's just me re- rewinding back and like trying to write out the first idea that comes to mind and then kind of fine tuning it after my teacher called it like word vomit or something like that. And you just <laughs> like write and just keep going, just keep going and just let it all out until something materializes. And mm-hmm. so I like pen and paper. Um, so I just do that. Cross yeah. out, write it again. Yeah. Can we listen to a little bit of it? Sure. And you can tell I'm oh, recording it. <laughs> Let me find it. It's at the top. Oh no, I started a little bit late. Let oh, me okay. let me play what I have. Oh, I was sitting across from a father and daughter last night at the Blue Note, and he said that he played with your dad in New York, but Mm -hmm. that he remembered um, that you would come in occasionally with your dad and you would sing backup vocals, things like that. And he said that he remembered that you had a very singular voice, that he rarely heard voices like yours. Um, He said that for us old timers, she makes us feel that the future is bright. Oh, wow. That's very sweet. <laughs> I wonder how it feels to hear that sort of thing um, from an old, older generations of, of, of people. Um, yeah. It makes me feel glad. It makes me feel grateful that um, they feel that way. Um, uh, the music industry, <laughs> <laughs> the music industry is one that, you know, it's uh, can be tedious to be a part of. Yeah. Um, 
But um, I'm glad to be giving any semblance of hope, you know, to anybody, you know, who loves music and who wants to see it continue in this form. Yeah. Relatedly, I've been thinking about like the role that you play, like jazz used to be a thing that everybody listened to, mm-hmm. as I understand it. I mean, I don't know about that, but it felt, it feels like the jazz singers that influenced you were mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, and had audi- like audiences yeah. within the They had big block. audiences. Yeah. They had sort of like, everybody had their albums. I want to ask you about um, bringing jazz back to a mainstream audience. Mm-hmm. You're one of the few that's broken through, especially for young people. What does that feel like? Is there like a responsibility that comes with that? Do you even agree with that? <laughs> mm. um, I guess, how do you find your way, you know, as a jazz performer now? What, where do um, you sit? I can't deny that there has been some breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I've been labeled as a, a Gen Z TikTok star from TikTok <laughs> to, to Grammys and stuff. Um, I would say that... I try not to feel a responsibility to that because mm-hmm. my responsibility first and foremost is making sure that I'm making music that I like yeah, and that I love and that I'm proud to share with mm-hmm. people because I love it so much. Um, and so if the focus then becomes I have to do something to stay relevant and stay important mm-hmm. to uh young audiences it can be draining I think yeah because you have to compromise what you do in order to keep people's attention and everybody's different everybody has different tastes and what they like and what they don't like and so you keep chasing after that and before you know it you hate what you're doing right um and so I think the focus and the goal for me is to make sure that what I do I love it yeah and I'm proud of it totally um, it reminds me of something you said last night, which is that um, you've learned a lot over the past few years about how to speak up for yourself, uh, realize what you want and have good people around you that can help fulfill your vision. Mm-hmm. Um, what are what types of decisions are those? Like, h- how do you, you know? I mean, it can it can come down to the kind of set list that yeah. I have. <laughs> um and uh, the schedule, how many gigs I do or don't want to do, mm-hmm. um, photo shoots, <laughs> <laughs> even though I don't do those very often. Yeah. Yeah. Also like 24, I mean, I, on stage, he said something like really getting up there and everybody laughed. Like it's like, everyone's like, oh my gosh, he's 24. <laughs> but like, you're also 24. I don't yeah. know. Do you like, how do you sit with that mm. well I was just 21 so this <laughs> feels um it honestly at first it felt daunting but I'm like girl that is so 2002 to be scared <laughs> of your 30s like come on so yeah I have to and but there is also pressure you're young you have to do this while you're young mm-hmm. you're tour as much as you want do all of the things do it and so I want to cherish every moment of this you know because it may or may not always be like this yeah um but I, it's, I'm like, oh my gosh, which one? Which one do I choose? <laughs> do I choose to take it all in and just work, 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 work? Or do I actually live life with a little bit of balance, you mm-hmm. know, and practice that, you know, mm-hmm. so I can actually do it for a long time if this is really what I love? Do yeah. I love the attention for a second or do I love what I'm doing, mm-hmm. you know, regardless? Yeah, I think a lot of us um, can relate to the feeling that you need some greater purpose other than... Um, 
fame or being mm-hmm. seen or being heard or, be, you know, to really feel like excited to wake up and do it every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there like a filter that you put things through? To uh, be to, excited about it. Yeah, yeah. To decide like, <laughs> is this like, this is like a thing that I want to do versus a thing that I don't. Is it going to help me grow? Mm-hmm. I think that's what I, the frame or the question that I ask when I decide certain things or decide whether or not to do or to do something or whether or not to, mm-hmm. is it going to help me grow? Um, do I like it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, do I enjoy doing this? Um, and is it going to help me grow? If you were uh, to give advice to people who are just getting into jazz, mm-hmm. who like have um, maybe listened to Miles Davis or listened to Ella Fitzgerald or, and are kind of coming to it again through you, mm-hmm. What should they do? How should they explore it? Hmm. I mean, you're probably going to start with me. (laughs) (laughs) So whatever you find that you really like about me, whether it's the repertoire, the songs that I sing, or the instrumentation, you like the way the piano sounds, find some pianists that you like. Mm -hmm. You know, there's Errol Garner, there's Wynton Kelly, Mm -hmm. um, Duke Ellington. You like bigger, you know, uh, ensembles. You like stuff that maybe is like almost symphonic. You can listen to Nat King Cole. Yeah. You know, Um, get into uh, whatever you like and don't feel pressured to know everything, you know, or or do research on it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just find something that you like integrated into your daily listening with everything else, you know, and you might just enjoy it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a chance. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. This was such a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's the show. Thank you for listening to Life and Art from FT Weekend. I've linked to my profile of Samara in the show notes. That link will get you past the paywall on FT.com. And I've also linked to places you can find Samara's work. Also in the show notes are discounts for a subscription to the Financial Times and ways to stay in touch with me on email and Instagram. I love hearing from you. I'm Lila Raptopoulos, and here's my talented team. Katya Kamkova is our senior producer. Lulu Smith is our producer. Our sound engineers are Breen Turner and Sam Javinko with original music by Metaphor Music. Topher Forges is our executive producer, and our global head of audio is Cheryl Brumley. Have a wonderful week, and we'll find each other again on Friday. <laughs>